Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. You are about to listen to episode 116 of our show, which is going to be a continuation of our In the Endgame series. This episode is going to focus on Thor. You will hear me give another intro at the beginning of this episode, but I had to add something on here just to provide a little bit of clarification for things you won't hear us talk about on the show. So this was pre-recorded before the Avengers Endgame special look, before tickets went on sale. So there are certain things that you won't hear us taking into account in our conversation, but that's why. It's because this episode was recorded a couple of weeks back. But if you do want to hear me talking about the Avengers Endgame special look, I will be breaking that down in the Patreon credit scene for this episode. Paul is not going to join me because Paul doesn't want to watch the special look. He saw the trailers, that's it. He's done looking at footage for Avengers Endgame. But I will be breaking it down in the Patreon credit scene for this episode. If you don't know what I mean by that, because this is your first time tuning into Marvel Studios News, first, welcome. And second, Patreon credit scenes are some of the exclusive content that we have on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash News. We have these Patreon credit scenes where we take our main episode topic and then we discuss, we either expand on that topic uh, with something related to it or we just talk about something completely different. Uh, It just depends on what news is out that week. We usually have Patreon credit scenes for every single episode that we do, although sometimes there are exceptions when we put out multiple episodes per week as we're going to be doing with this in the Endgame series because we still have several episodes left and they're all going to come out before Avengers Endgame hits theaters, but we also have exclusive content, including The Daily Bugle, where I break down the news every Monday through Friday. We also have multiple Q&A shows every week, the Marvel Unlimited Book Club, where we talk about comic books every month, all kinds of exclusive shows not available anywhere else. And if you are one of our patrons, you get a private RSS feed that you can subscribe to that includes all of your Patreon-exclusive content, plus the main show, so you can get everything in one feed. You don't have to track things down in multiple places. So for more information on all of the exclusives that we offer, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And before we get started, I just want to give a very big thank you to our latest patrons, Rodrigo Valverde III, Katie Barmazel, John, Jeb Weiland, Zachary Steele, Robert Santiago, Katie Carlos, Sean Murphy, Carol, and Kevin Gasca. Welcome to you all. Hope to be chatting with you on our exclusive Discord that we also have for our Patreon. And now, without further delay, let's get on with our show. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. I am joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing well. You doing well? Really well? Yeah, really <laughs> right. well. So this week we are going to continue our series of In the Endgame episodes as we continue this march to Avengers Endgame. The movie is getting closer and closer. I don't know exactly how many days it is from when you're listening to this to when (laughs) the movie is because we're recording this show uh, in advance to make sure we have all these episodes ready to go uh, so you have a chance to listen to all of them before you go watch Avengers Endgame. So most recently we've done Black Widow and Hawkeye. In our previous episode, we talked about Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes, Rhodey, but this week we are going to talk about another one of the big three Avengers from this first era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We started this whole thing with Iron Man, 
And as we reach the midpoint, or at least the approximate midpoint of this series, it's time to talk about Thor. And I'm really excited about this episode, Paul, not because I have a high opinion of us and what we do, but I'm just really excited to talk about Thor and his journey in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think Mm -hmm. he's had one of the most interesting arcs. I mean, I think it's, it's hard to say which would be the winner of the most compelling arc between Tony and Thor and Steve, because I think they've Marvel Studios has done an exceptional job with the stories of all three of these characters. Uh, but when you look at Thor and, and the journey that he was on in the first film, to go from the, the glory-seeking guy who just wanted to jump into battle at a moment's notice and wasn't really looking at the bigger picture and being humbled in that process of the first Thor film and then becoming somebody who was much more responsible, uh, somebody who could actually be a king one day, but then not wanting the throne. I mean, going through everything in Avengers, and of course we'll track his relationship with Loki, but going through everything in Avengers and then in Thor of the Dark World, not actually even wanting to be king when he has to look at the full scope of, of what that would mean, and then eventually embracing being the leader of, of Asgard, the people, not the place, which was destroyed in Thor Ragnarok. He has this arc, and... Like we've seen with Tony, there are a lot of steps forward, but there are also some steps back. And he had a step back at the worst possible moment at the end of Avengers Infinity War, as has been pointed out by several individuals, including the Russo brothers, when they were talking, when they were wondering a little bit, when asked why everybody was blaming Star-Lord, to say, well, look at Thor. He had his opportunity to defeat Thanos, and as Thanos told him, You should have gone for the head. And the whole reason Thor didn't go for the head is because he wanted to be able to tell Thanos to his face that he was killing him just like he said he would back at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War. So, And that was Thor's pride getting the better of him once again. We hadn't necessarily seen it for a little while, but it comes back at the worst possible moment. And so now Thor enters Avengers Endgame feeling as guilty as anybody in this movie possibly could and probably a million times more. Yeah, Thor has in the MCU been, I think the the not the unsung hero, but he just it feels like he's been given he's been kind of all over the place as far as where where Marvel wants to take him, and the films have been for the most part his, his films have been mostly good, even if, even with Dark World, you know, withstanding his first the first and third films are fantastic. He's great in Avengers. Age of Ultron and Dark World are probably his weakest outings. And again, I wouldn't it's just kind of Joss Whedon and and, and Dark World is just kind of a mess to begin with. Yeah, I mean none um, of it's Hemsworth's fault or Chris Hemsworth's no, fault. No. I mean great actor giving great performances, but yeah, certainly issues with the material in both of those cases. Right. So with the MCU and with this character, they, one of the things that they've kind of deviated with was and again, he, the elements are still there, but Thor is more of a bumbling oaf in the comic books. And one of the things that they did, they definitely have that more in the first film, which, again, is why I, I love that first film so much. That really is the, the spirit of the Thor comic books, you know, as far as the characterization of Thor is evident through that film. There is a progression and I actually, and because it's film and it's not the same, it's, these characters have to progress in, in a different media medium, if you will. And we all know that. And, and we've talked about it with, with, with Tony Stark. We'll talk about it with Cap. And we'll talk about, we're going to talk about it here with Thor, is that Thor kind of like matures 
as movies go on for the most part there's you know he's still a little bit of the bumbling oaf but he's a little more serious in in his films with, with the exception of obviously Ragnarok which is a little bit more uh tongue in cheek and, and and more funny stuff if you will but with the character there is that progression of him kind of learning and growing as as he goes on as being part of the Avengers and, and uh, being fighting for Midgard. So what I love at Chris Hem Chris Hemsworth does the quiet moment so, so well. And, you know, he, he can kind of go all over the place and the fact that he can play the vulnerable, like strong guy, like that's a really hard thing to pull off and have it be, have it to do it convincingly. And the, also had that comedic timing to be the slapsticky guy. Like I don't know if if Robert Downey Jr. could do that or Chris Evans could do that, but but uh, Chris Hemsworth can. And yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just glad you're talking about like Hemsworth acting in this because mm-hmm. I go back to what was immediately one of my favorite scenes in Infinity War. But the more the more time I've spent with this movie and rewatching it the more this scene just moves up on my list of favorite scenes in the MCU. When he's talking to Rocket and going through everything that he's lost in the MCU up until that point, and losing his father, losing his mother, losing his friend, and you know, even saying, like, what else, losing a brother, like, what else have I got left to lose? And he's crying in that scene, and mm-hmm. it's a very emotional scene, and yet, at the same time, Chris Hemsworth is... It's not effortless, but it looks effortless as he goes back and forth from this very serious, heart-wrenching drama to the comedic timing and the, and the jokes that are, you know, the, the little one-liners that are being thrown in that scene. And to be able to do that in a way where the funny lines are funny without taking away from the drama of, you know, the much more dramatic things that he's talking about, the much more serious things that he's talking about. It's great writing, obviously, by Marcus and McFeely, great direction by the Russos, but that still all comes down to the performance. Either the actor nails that or they don't, and Hemsworth nailed it, and I think that's just kind of a, a microcosm of what he's been bringing to this character all along. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I go, I'm glad you really brought up, it's not, yes, there's been some good writing for Thor, and we've seen a lot of great stuff, but Hemsworth is super underrated when it comes to just the quality of acting he's been bringing to this role. Yeah, and I think that he again the material wasn't the strongest even the first film which i love that first film of death i i, I really do i think that first yeah, thor film is, you and i are on the same page one of the most underrated movies in all of the mcu yeah absolutely and and again from the, the comic book purist to me of loving the character from the comic books that is probably the most accurate from a characterization standpoint and of like the original 60s and 70s 80s comic books so as far as the characterization and, and what you know if you were to do a direct like adaptation from those years and then obviously as the movies go on dark worlds is kind of a mess in general it doesn't really do anything and then the third film is taking the look all the looks of the comic books that we got and and putting them into the movie almost like from page to screen not necessarily a complete characterization and direct plot lines but still great visuals and a great movie so but that first film the writing in it is not the strongest from the standpoint of giving Hemsworth great material to work with from a acting standpoint, but he chews up the scenery every time. And I think that when he's on screen with Natalie Portman, even though I think she, and my criticism of Natalie Portman is very 
well known for people who've listened to the show for a while and in sure. Star Wars podcast. I'm not a fan of Natalie Portman in these films in Star Wars or MCU. She just is not. You can tell she's to me. You can tell she's collecting a paycheck. Well, Jane Foster didn't even make it to the end game, so don't even have to worry about it. I yeah. mean, maybe, maybe she did. I don't know if she survived the snap or not, but I don't, yeah. I don't think we're going to see her in this movie. Yeah. So. So when you add that aspect or when I see that in the film, I, I, I'm like, man, Hemsworth is what makes it believable, believable. He does such a great job of getting those quiet, tender moments with Jane, make him work because of him, not because of her. And I just I love he just chews up the scenery. He's just so good. And when he makes a sacrifice for his friends at the end with, with the destroyer, I love that moment because that's when he becomes worthy. And, and again, it all he Hemsworth does a great job. I wish the set, the backdrops, uh, backdrop and set piece was a, looked a little bit better. But at the same time, uh, again, Hemsworth sells it and makes it and totally makes it pay off. And I love the ending of, of Thor, the first Thor movie with Tom Hiddleston. The chemistry between Hiddleston and and Hemsworth is so off the charts good mm-hmm. that it, it, it's it, it's what again fast forward into Avengers it's what makes Avengers work because you see like Thor is is you know is is struggling because he loves his brother still even after he tried to kill him and they're on the you know the, the he destroyed the bridge to see his girlfriend that he's still struggling that Nick Fury has to sit down and ask Thor are you prepared to do what you have to do and, and he's just like. Uh, you could tell he's hesitant, mm-hmm. you know, and and even after Loki puts him in the Hulk jail, throws him out of the helicarrier, he barely survives, mm-hmm. and then eventually is fighting him on top of Stark Tower and says, "Come join me, we can fight them together." And it's like, no, it, but Hemsworth does a great job, and again, that's they the the beauty of Thor is that he this the unconditional love that he has for his brother. Mm-hmm. Is it so good? And it, I I love that aspect of Thor. And that's what we see, I think, the development in the character that you see in Infinity War that you sit down and he's crying. And he's having that moment because he mm-hmm. is so connected with Loki. He saw his brother finally die by Thanos. You know, he, he saw his, his yeah. father and his sister or not his sister, his sister's basically still alive somewhere. But we all know as, she's far, as far as he knows, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. But uh, but yeah, as he saw his father die. I mean, it's like saw it's his mother start- die. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like- it, it, all of it's starting to hit him all at once. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they, t- they give it time to reflect on that because that is an important aspect of the character everyone's family is important to the character in some sure. regards but his direct line and just being and it, the fact that it's all gone is just a was a really touching moment and you touched on that too sean and that again the performance of hemsworth is what sells it it's what sells in every aspect if you got the same scripts and you put a different actor in there thor is no way as popular as he is hemsworth no. is the reason why yeah. thor is as big well, when, as he is right now yeah when you go back and you look at almost at least for each of his solo films. I mean, he loses somebody in every film. It's not so much about a death in the first Thor film, but that's where he initially loses the relationship with his brother. You know, he thinks that he's going to lose his father in that one, or he thinks he has lost his father in that one. That's where I think there actually is some good material. There's some good scenes between Thor and Odin. There's that great sequence on the shield base between Loki and Thor. When Loki lies to Thor and saying that Odin is dead and that his mother has forbid Thor from coming back. 
and then also kind of him humbling himself and being willing to sacrifice himself uh, in the face of the destroyer in that film. Like there's a lot of great stuff. And then the final battle between Loki and Thor, like Hemsworth is so great on that. As you noted, the chemistry between Hemsworth and Hiddleston is so great, but that's where he initially loses the relationship with his brother. And then he loses his mother who dies in Thor, the dark world. Then he loses his father in Thor Ragnarok. And then he loses his best friend Heimdall and his brother Loki at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War. Thor is almost always losing somebody whenever he shows up in these movies. Um, and it's just really, it's been really tragic for this character. Uh, but when you go back to that relationship with Loki and why Thor still continued to care about Loki, why he was still trying to reach Loki, I think what Thor was seeing in Loki was a little bit of himself. Granted, Thor was never a mass murderer who tried to take over Earth. He never did that. But Thor was somebody who was wrong and was in need of redemption, and he got that opportunity. Somebody reached Thor. You know, his father reached him, uh, and others as well reached Thor, and and he, he actually was able to be better. And so I think because Thor has been on that arc and, and has has had redemption in his own way, I think that's part of why he's believed that Loki could be redeemed. I think that's really, at least in in my reading of it, I think that's part of what uh, that's part of what fuels Lo- uh, Thor and, and his belief in Loki. There's just the the pure love that he has for his brother, but there is also just that belief in redemption because that's what Thor has been through in his own in his own way, and so. You know, seeing this progression, like in Thor of the Dark World, it's much more harsh. It's not like Avengers, where he's trying to set, where in Avengers, he's clearly trying to reach Loki. In Thor of the Dark World, he needs Loki's help, and it, but he just flat out says in no uncertain terms, if you try to betray me, I'll kill you. Uh, and then Thor and Loki actually do work together fairly successfully in that movie, except for the very end, which Thor doesn't know about. Loki is now posing as his father, Odin. Uh, but then when you see Ragnarok, and Thor makes that discovery about Loki and how that cost Thor, you know, the final moments and also cost Odin the final moments of his life when he was just stranded on Earth uh, and everything that that's meant for Thor and Loki to where they get that. That's where, I mean, Thor Ragnarok, it's very funny and very entertaining, but it's a little underrated in terms of how emotional it is uh, because Thor does have that moment with Loki, especially he has a couple moments in the, you know, the weird freaky circle room but then also in the elevator right before the get help bit where Thor actually tells Loki, I thought the world of you and, you know, and Thor wanted that relationship with his brother and it just never worked out. And then Thor kind of lets go of the fact that, you know, Loki, I can't, I, I never really can trust him. The only thing I can trust is that eventually he's going to betray me. And then Loki finally comes and helps and, and saves the, helps save the day at the end of Thor Ragnarok. So just as it seems like maybe Loki is making a turn disaster strikes when Thanos shows up in Avengers Infinity War and now Loki is dead and whatever part of Loki might have been redeemed and I think we see a little bit of that in Avengers Infinity War the fact that Loki was willing to give up the Tesseract so that Thor wouldn't be killed by Thanos the fact that Loki was willing to put his life on the line in what Loki pretty much knew was a futile effort that's why he's already got the tear in his eye before he even tries to make the attempt to stab Thanos but he has to try something uh, to try and save himself, but to also really try and save Thor. So that relationship for Thor and how much that's meant to him and, and finally seeing a little bit of moment for uh, a little bit of that redemption that he's wanted all along for Loki, and then it's just snatched away from him. You just see it just adds to the tragedy that's been part of this character 
all along. But what's been also really fascinating to watch is just how he's grown through all of these tragedies. Yes, he's been funny, and Chris Hemsworth is great at being funny. But when you when you track Thor being the cocky, arrogant, self-centered, you know, just all he ever wanted was glory. That that part that part of his personality. Uh, wanting to be the one in charge, feeling like he was entitled to be king and that he would be the one who would get to make the decisions and then realizing that he wasn't at all ready to be king. And then in Thor of the Dark World, Odin is the one who tells him that he's ready to be king and it's time for him to be king. And he passes on that opportunity and we get to Thor Ragnarok where it's not even so much that he wanted to be king, but he accepts that responsibility and understands that he's ready because he's grown. He's uh, he's wise, he's more mature, he's been through it, and he's come out better and then you get to Avengers Infinity War, and it feels like that's what Thor is going to do. This is going to be Thor having his moment, because like you said, I mean, in the Avengers movies specifically, Thor hasn't had as strong of a role to play. Pretty decent-sized role in the first one, but Thor, I mean, but, but in Avengers Age of Ultron, I mean, the guy just disappears for a subplot that has way more to do with the rest of, with Phase 3 of the MCU than it really has to do with the story of Avengers Age of Ultron. The most valuable contributions for him in Avengers Age of Ultron, is that at least he's the one who helps them trust Vision by explaining a little bit about what's going on, and that because of the bit with his hammer, like Vision gets to you know show that he's worthy, and that allows the Avengers to trust him. But Thor doesn't really get to do that much of consequence in Avengers Age of Ultron, and that's why I appreciated him getting so much time in Avengers Infinity War, even if it meant even if it meant somebody like Steve didn't get as much time, is that they gave Thor this massive journey as the hero. And if he strikes Thanos in the head, it totally becomes his movie, and he's the whole hero of it. I mean, he gets that triumphant entrance in the Battle of Wakanda. And what I love so much about that is that watching it with an audience and everybody cheering in a way they hadn't really cheered for Thor in the Avengers movies, cheering for him the way they cheered for uh, Steve and Iron Man in previous movies. And then Thor gets that reception, and we've seen him go on this journey, and he's grown so much, and then he makes the mistake. He makes this, you know, this, it doesn't seem like that big of a misstep, but then all of a sudden it, it totally is, because when all Thanos has to do is snap his fingers, you have to go for the head. But Thor, who wanted revenge, was completely justified in wanting revenge, but he could have got his revenge without rubbing it in, without rubbing it in Thanos' face, uh, by instead just splitting Thanos' face with Stormbreaker, but he didn't make that choice, uh, and now he's paying for it. And that's why it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with this character in Avengers Endgame, because more than any surviving member, I mean, I think in the case of Star-Lord, yeah, he would feel guilty about the role he played in Thanos' ultimate victory, but he's not around. He didn't survive the snap. Thor is somebody who made a critical mistake and actually survived the snap to have to deal with that and have to see the fallout of his mistake, of the error in his judgment, and I think the fact that that goes back to Thor's past and a lot of what put him on this path in the first place was that pride and a little bit of that arrogance. The fact that that is what allowed Thanos to win, or at least, at least in part, that's what allowed Thanos to win. Uh, you know, that's just going to completely eat away at him. Yeah. And I think that what's with Infinity War, it really made it really, to me, made the character even more likable. And I think that people are going to with Ragnarok and Infinity War, it's just going to escalate the character even more to people to go check out the old films and re- re- rediscover the character it's himself and be like, man, Thor was way even better than I remember him being now. And 
Infinity War just totally pushed him over the edge for me as far as his significance and his role. And again, Hemsworth is a big reason for that. And I love his interactions with the Guardians. I love I, I love is is a is a peach. I always say is it Petrie? Petrie? Is that his name? The L the oh, the, the dwarf? Petrie. Yeah. I want to say Petrie is from Land Before Time. I know. That's what, <laughs> I, I know, but I always think it's Petrie because he says Petrie. I'm like, no, it's Etrie. Okay. Yeah. Etrie the dwarf. Um, when he's talking to him, I love that stuff. I love it's just what he does in Infinity War is just to me everything from the action scenes to all his conversations. I think Thor is probably my favorite character in uh, Infinity War by far. And his entrance, obviously, on Wakanda is incredible. It may be – it's probably it, – we've talked about this before in our show, top five moments in the MCU. It's one of, it's one of them. It's up, up there. It's one of the best things ever. And it's, uh, it's fantastic. And I, I love how we see – again, if you go back to Ragnarok, the fact that, it's, that Mjolnir is gone. Mm-hmm. And he has to he has to evolve himself outside of that. Yeah. And he is the god of thunder. I, I, all these things are so, just so cool. And we're seeing that kind of, you know, as we I don't know if we're teasing the end game here yet or not, but we see a little bit of that of what what that means for future weapons for Thor potentially. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love the idea of the character kind of evolving. And I think the writing in Ragnarok and the writing in infinity war has even made him even more complex and interesting and more of the God leader mm-hmm. that he kind of turned into. And again, that's, that's what the comic book really hasn't been able to do because Odin doesn't obviously die in the comics. So he does and he comes back. And I mean, this other thing, weird thing is they're all immortal, right? They're not really supposed to be gods, but yet like when you, anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole different, yeah. it's well, they're, not, they're not immortal. They live about 5,000 years, give or take. Right, but they're still like the they're supposed to be the god of thunder. You know what I mean. But and, and obviously in the comic books, Valhalla exists and, and and whatever. But in the comics, Odin doesn't die. You know, there's you got the Odin wives, you've got Loki, obviously, and Bal- Baldur the Brave, and all the stuff. And with it's, there's not really going to be a progression. There is sometimes, but he always goes backwards. And 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 it, again, I go back to because this is a different medium, and there's going to be some kind of de- definitive end for these characters in some regard. That the progress, as far as the progression of what he's up to by Infinity War, we don't really get in the comic book. So he's, you know, we get a little bit of that that he's the leader mm-hmm. of the King of Asgard, but really he is now the King of Asgard. He is absolutely. The, yeah, and now he is the true god of thunder. Like he is like this pinnacle being that we that he was that he was a loot that he was just we just thought that he was going to become maybe it one day, but we weren't going to see it on screen. And to be honest, I didn't think we were ever going to see that necessarily. And it was like, oh man, like this is what he's doing now. That he's legitimate, the king of Asgard, and that's what he, that's what his role is going to be. And that's what we're seeing right now. And it's a it's a fascinating element because you know that's where we see the progression of the young hothead to now he, he is bec- a very natural progression mm-hmm. of being king and not just like and from one film to the next but over what five films or six films now so i mean it's it's really cool to see that progression or i'd say five or uh, five films if because right in rock he's already the king of asgard right now, right so. yeah in infinity war he loses a lot yeah. of his kingdom. I mean, yeah. half of the people on the ship are killed because there's another half that breaks away at the very beginning of the sequence. I know some people wonder about that, but uh, half of the people on the ship survived. But the Russos confirmed when I was at that Collider Q&A last year, 
that the half that remained was also cut in half via the snap. Now, of course, if heroes come back via the snap, anonymous citizens and uh, as of Earth and as and Asgard, uh, they can come back too. So uh, he'll have you know half of whatever was left of Asgard. I think the people who were physically killed, I don't know that they get to come back, but he'll still have Asgardians that he is responsible for. Um, and I don't know how much of that is going to factor into Endgame, or if that's more of a post-Endgame situation for Thor. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to see him become king at the end of Thor Ragnarok, and as the the score for the from the original Thor film, as that starts to kind of swell up at the end, and we start hearing that music, it, it is it feels like that completion of of Thor's journey. Like he mm-hmm. he completed his arc to become the king, and he did it in such a way that it felt completely earned and to a point where even I think for, for Thor himself, he didn't begin that story trying to be king of Asgard, but he accepted the the responsibility of it by the end and understood that it is his duty. It is his job and he's ready for it. And I think that's, but that just feeds into infinity war that much more because he earns that status of king. He did everything he needed to do to be a worthy king by the end of Thor Ragnarok and then he makes one of his old mistakes at the end of Avengers Infinity War. And so I, I think as we look at Avengers Endgame, not so much a post-Endgame thing, but just talking about Avengers Endgame for right now for Thor, I think when you look at that character, obviously he's going to be burdened with tremendous guilt for not striking that killing blow against Thanos when he had the chance. He's there on Earth. He sees the Avengers and what they're struggling with. He knows they've lost friends, but he also just sees the absolute horror of everything that's on Earth at this time because, I mean, we got a glimpse of that during the post credit sequence for uh, Avengers Infinity War with the helicopter crash and, and people just disappearing from their cars. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely hell on Earth after the snap. And so Thor's going to see a lot of that and just, he's going to feel like he is the one and only person responsible for it. In truth, he's not. Yes, he made a mistake, but he is not the only hero who made a mistake in Avengers Infinity War that led to Thanos' victory. So, uh, but of course, that even though that's the truth, that's not how Thor's going to see it. He's going to say, look, no matter what mistakes anybody made, I had an opportunity to kill Thanos and stop this whole thing, and I didn't do it because I needed to take an extra second uh, to tell him that I was getting the revenge just to basically give Thanos and I told you so. Uh, and he's going to realize how dumb that was uh, in hindsight and how horrible he's going to feel as a result. But I ultimately think that Thor, because of the journey he's been on, that he will do more than just feel sorry for himself. He will do more than just feel guilty. I do think this will motivate him. Yes, he will be sad and, and riddled with guilt, but at the same time, I think there will be a certain amount of resolve because of the journey that he's been on. Because he does know that even though he failed in that moment, he is better than that person. Uh, he he made a mistake, and you know, an an old bad habit reared its ugly head again. But it doesn't mean that all of the work that he's done, all that he's been through, it doesn't invalidate all of that. It may seem like that to him in certain in his weakest moments, in his darkest moments. But I think eventually Thor turns the corner and and realizes that look. They're eventually they're, the Avengers are going to discover a path to defeating Thanos and undoing what Thanos did. And I think when there is that, when that ray of hope shines through, I think you see Thor really just 
seize that moment and really go for it because I don't think that even though we know we're going to get a lot of Steve stuff and a lot of Tony stuff, I think Thor is still going to be at the very center of the story right alongside those guys uh, because he feels like there's something he has to make up for. And when he has the opportunity to do it, I think Thor is going to come through in a very big way. Yeah. I think with Endgame itself, not post Endgame, I think Thor is going to be right there with with them. I I don't know if there's going to be the moment where where he's going to get Thanos, and not he's not going to be the one that defeats Thanos, but he's going to be one of the people that really put put him into like the final, uh, you know, finish him. How about this? It'll, it'll put him in the pre-finish him uh, standpoint if you want any Mortal Kombat standards. He's going to do some kind of combo and it's going to make Thanos real and he's just going to be, you know, pretty much just, you know, it's going to be because of Thor, I think, because if somehow from his power. Because Thor, they've been building up right now with the whole bring me Thanos thing or even when he gets to, he throws him in the, or he tries to throws an axe at his chest and he says, you should have went for the head. You know, they're to me, they're leading up to the fact that he's going to get his second shot at Thanos and he's not going to, he's not going to waste it. And I feel like they're kind of led up to that. And he's, his power level with the Hulk probably will be what makes him, you know, cower, not cower, but succumb to the, to everybody. In my opinion, I think those two will be tag teaming and, but we probably Thor would be the one that gives like the, the, the final real good, kicking the butt where Thanos is, is out of commission. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see Thor in, in the process of all this and how, you know, he's, he might be beating himself up over not taking him, you know, aiming for the head. And that's what I'm wondering if they're going to do, you know, and it's also, I can't wait to see the interactions between him and captain Marvel to see uh, this character. That's just, just as powerful as he is, if not more powerful, and and be like you know he's already they've already kind of teased this idea of these two characters kind of interacting together and they've already have a great moment so mm-hmm. I'm sure there's probably more moments in that movie that that we're gonna get between Carol and Thor because he's gonna be like man my goodness this 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 lady is so powerful she's she's incredible and that's gonna be fun to watch and I I think we're gonna see a lot of that and. Yeah, I I think that this is going to, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Thor gets his revenge on Thanos. And and, and to me, what the fallout is from Thanos, is Loki really dead Um, and things like that? Because we know that Loki, there's a potential Tom Hiddleston Loki miniseries that's happening after the, uh, or sometime of the Disney streaming service. And well, I would wonder would only assume that that would be a post endgame series. So what does that mean exactly? So I'm I'm very intrigued what what that does mean and what it could mean. So will we see Loki show up at the end of Endgame? Will he for some reason, you know, be kind of lurking in the background, you know, smiling, laughing, and then kind of disappears and transports himself somewhere? I don't know. I'm very curious about something like that. So there's a lot. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Thor is going to die in Endgame. I really don't. I don't. I think he survives. I think he has to be the king of Asgard, and he because he is a god, he's going to go and and do his own thing and, and just be like kind of like kind of like a uh, a Tony Stark, if you will. That he'll he'll be I'll be here if you need me, kind of a thing. But 
not, he won't be necessarily a, a, an Avenger in a future Avengers film. I think obviously Carol and, and T'Challa are going to be the ones kind of leading that up and, and, and they're new Avengers, if you will. So, but we also heard rumors about Taika Waititi com, coming back and doing a, a, a fourth a Thor film, which yeah. I think would be well, great. He and Hemsworth, uh, Taika Waititi and Hemsworth have both expressed interest in working together again on another Thor film, if they can find the right story. And Kevin Feige, uh, he was asked recently about Kamala Khan and about Taika Waititi directing a Marvel movie again and, and all of those things. And and he talked about it, it was just among these things that Kevin Feige, while he wouldn't acknowledge any specific details, said those are all things that could be happening soon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe when they're ready to make future announcements. So I do think that that uh, there's that Taika is coming back and he's going to make another Marvel movie. Is it going to be a Thor movie? I think so, because I, I'm with you. I think Thor survives. You know, in terms of where he's at mentally and emotionally, I I'm glad you brought up the the Captain Marvel moment because that shows that you know Thor. Yes, he's gonna be he's gonna be feeling guilty, but it's not like he's gonna be so overwhelmed by that that we're not gonna see any of the Thor that we might be used to. And as I said, there's going to be optimism, and I think Captain Marvel could be a very big part of that optimism. You know, as he meets her in Avengers Endgame, uh, but that that also sets up for Thor in terms of his future if he survives, why maybe he doesn't feel like he needs to be with the Avengers all the time. And while he, maybe he needs to go be with the Asgardians who need him more uh, because, you know, Thor, or the Avengers will have uh, a teammate, a new hero who's every bit as powerful as he is and actually more powerful than he is in Captain Marvel. So he probably will feel like, you know, earth is well protected by the group that's here. Now I can go back and, and worry about Asgard because we've seen Thor do that. I mean, he's le- he's left earth to the rest of the Avengers before and now he would, you know, in theory, do that again after Avengers Endgame. In terms of his survival odds, I like his chances because, I mean, I feel like there's so much storytelling potential that was unlocked by Thor Ragnarok because now with Thor and his future, like, he can go do anything. He's not tethered to Asgard anymore, at least not the place. He's he's tethered to Asgard, the people, but... They're mobile now. I mean, they can go wherever he's going to go. He can. You can almost have this nomadic existence for Thor. And you've set up other things for him, like Valkyrie and Korg as other characters he could continue to interact with. Or maybe he interacts with the Guardians of the Galaxy because they're that you know the, the material, the scenes between him and the various Guardians that was all great stuff in Avengers: Infinity War. So plenty of uh, setup for other interactions for Thor. And, and certainly if Taika and, and Chris Hemsworth are interested in making another film, then that certainly points to the idea of maybe the character surviving. I mean, I think the only way Thor dies is if there's something that absolutely requires his power level and it, you know, it's enough for him to be able to accomplish it, but maybe it's, it's still going to ultimately kill him. Like, if the Avengers had their own Infinity Gauntlet with their own Infinity Stones because they traveled back in time and got some, as has been one of the you know theories that's been out there, if Thor is the one who has to snap his fingers, you know Thanos was able to survive that hit. Would Thor also be able to survive it? I actually kind of think he would. Um, I don't necessarily think that would kill him, but the potential is there for Thor to die. And I know people look at the the expiring contract for Chris Hemsworth and that say that points to him dying, but I still lean towards. Thor makes it out of this one alive. I, I'm like you. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna survive because he doesn't. He doesn't really need to die in this one. And removing him from the equation of the rest of the Avengers, if you want to reset and have a new era for the Avengers, 
it's easy enough for Thor to not be on the team because he's even when he's been a, uh, an Avenger, he's been a part-time member. Like when there's a situation on Earth, he comes in and he helps out, but then he goes away. But presumably there were other situations that we didn't necessarily see on a movie screen where the Avengers did things and Thor wasn't there. And with Captain Marvel being present and other characters being present, the Avengers don't have to have Thor in order to defend the Earth, and he'll feel comfortable knowing the Avengers don't need him. And he can go off and have his own adventures doing whatever he needs to do to protect whomever he needs to protect, these surviving Asgardians and or anyone else. So I feel like that's more of the future for Thor. Is he's going to go out and be you know, a space nomad of sorts, and, and he, we're going to eventually see another story with him because, again, I mean, if, if Taika wants to do it, contract or not, I mean, you can always sign Chris Hemsworth to a new contract, even if it's just for literally only one more movie. If Taika wants to make another movie and Hemsworth wants to make another movie with Taika, why the hell wouldn't you do it? I mean, the, yeah. only, the only reason you wouldn't is, is if you already made the creative decision that you were going to kill Thor in these films, and you feel like that's no matter what possibilities were introduced in Thor Ragnarok, you, you don't care, you love you value what's happening in the narrative with Thor dying anyway, but I just, I don't think that's the case. I think Thor makes it and goes on to have at least one more really awesome adventure that we get to see in the MCU. Yeah, I think that he's not done, and I think he's going to shepherd in the new Avengers, if you will, and I think he's going to have his own his, his own adventure, and I think that there's still so many great Thor stories that you can tell um, that they haven't even tapped into really. And there's so many different realms that go into it. It's in, and one of the beauty, uh, the, the, one of the beauties of having Thor is that he's a quasi quasi, uh, MCU cosmic character. Mm -hmm. Cause in the comic books, he's all over the place. You go, you know, and that's how, how do you think Loki found Thanos? And so you can kind of have him bridge that gap of the Silver Surfer and things like that. So there's lots of different elements you can do with, with obviously in, in Ragnarok too, obviously. So, um, but but even then, like he's he can transport himself anywhere, but he's you can really easily put him into the cosmic side of the universe and have him get, again be that bridge, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about, we've talked about that before with Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Well, actually, you could do even more with a with a fourth Ragnarok or sorry, Ragnarok or fourth uh, Thor film with Taika, and you could do more things with it and say, okay, here's Taika. Here's more MCU cosmic stuff that you can do besides Grandmaster. You could bring the Grandmaster in. He could be he could be a bridge for other things and the Collector perhaps. Like, and and think about that kind of a story. And uh, I forgot what's his name, but you look the troll. I think is what his name is. Um, he's a he's a character that you haven't explored yet. There's other characters. Uh, Bal Baldur the Brave, his half brother. You could introduce in the in the in the series. There's Thunderstrike. Um, there's obviously other elements of. There's an As Guardians of the Galaxy comic series yeah, that's going on right now. Better Ray Bill. Ooh. But, yeah, I mean, I love that. I but, mean, I, who yeah. had his his you know he's got his head statue you know a head statue there on the same tower that Hulk lives in in, in right. Thor Ragnarok. That doesn't mean he's dead. I mean, it, yeah. it means he was a champion for for the grandmaster at one point but maybe he won his freedom and you know maybe that character is still around but i mean it's because even taika's talked about it. it's funny how you call it like ragnarok fork but even taika's already talked about that like he would see it more as thor ragnarok 2 as opposed to thor 4 um, good point yeah but like it's but that's the thing is it's it's wide open now and the other thing that you've really proven here 
in Thor Ragnarok is because something else that finally happened that we didn't necessarily mention in that path to Thor. It's not so much in in the narrative, but just in terms of the the appreciation of the audience is that Thor Ragnarok finally allowed Thor to be the most interesting character in his own movies. Because I think in his previous Thor movies, especially in Thor The Dark World, I think a lot of people were, at the very least, they were enjoying Loki just as much as they were enjoying Thor. But I think a lot of people were enjoying Loki even more than Thor. Mm -hmm. And then Thor Ragnarok showed, no, actually Thor is just as bit as interesting as Loki. In fact, he might even be even more interesting and then you have Loki removed from the from the equation very early on in Avengers Infinity War, and Thor continues to be a very compelling character that holds the audience's attention just as much as Steve Rogers or Tony Stark ever did. And so that's one thing we haven't had in terms of new territory for a Thor film is a Thor solo film without Loki. That just flat out hasn't happened. And so you know you have that opportunity now to really branch out with this character. And as you said... Plenty more elements from the comics that you could introduce, whether these are elements that are uh, more typically associated with Thor, or it's just part of the the blank canvas that you have with a lot of the Fox stuff being available. There's just so much more story to tell with Thor, and I think that's part of what would excite Chris Hemsworth and what would excite Taika Waititi is you know that Thor Ragnarok really kind of broke Thor away from a lot of the elements that were just kind of the standard things of his franchise. Like you, we're, we're going to spend a certain amount of time on Asgard and we're going to deal with these characters. And it's not to say that those characters were a burden because, and those elements were a burden because I still enjoy them as a Marvel fan, but we had them in multiple films already. So now we can go into new territory and really break, you know, break new ground in terms of what a Thor story can be. You know, Thor Ragnarok went a long way in that. I think Avengers Infinity War continued with that, Endgame will as well. But then it it just feels like a blank canvas or a a nearly blank canvas all over again for Thor after Avengers Endgame. And I feel like that's definitely going to excite Marvel Studios. And I think they knew about that because they hired Taika Waititi and all the stuff as they were breaking story and coming up with the script for Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So I think they knew that they were going to have a lot of new territory for Thor, and that probably was enough to to excite them and, and realize that they should keep Thor alive. And so we can he can live to fight another day, and we can see that story, and it can be a very different story than any of the ones that we have seen, and we can continue to see this character grow, uh, maybe in some ways that we might anticipate and other ways that we won't. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that Ragnarok and and Infinity War has, has given such a new life to this character that he was people liked him before now that they love him i just don't see him going anywhere anytime soon and i think that if he continues if thor 4 is is made and it's just is just as successful as ragnarok was which i don't see why it wouldn't if if you bring in all the similar writers and artists and and whatnot uh i i think that he'll go he might he could or i would say he could arguably go live past everyone as far as staying at on as as that character for a long long time because he is a god and you could he could age a little bit and you could have him you know do your movie magic and you know whatever but he could stay on and play the character for a long long time and you could justifiably do that and have him just kind of show up here or there and i don't think anyone would bat an eye at it to be honest whereas i think tony stark because he's not a god and, and you know it's he and obviously robert Downey jr is a little bit older than chris hemsworth uh, Chris Hemsworth could, you know, could age pretty, you know, pretty well, probably. Well, it's okay that. for Thor to age because there, exactly. there are stories with an older Thor. But I, I think you're right, because 
when you look at the future of Thor and, and how many, you know, just the interesting possibilities that are out there, I mean, it's all, it's all so fresh. You know, you mentioned how like, you know, more people are interested now with Thor Ragnarok, but I would say even more people who were interested in Thor Ragnarok, you know, or even more than that audience that finally came out for Thor Ragnarok, which was the highest grossing Thor solo film. I think the audience for Thor grew even after that because Infinity War, highest grossing Marvel film to date, $2 billion. And Thor, more than any other Avenger, I know Gamora obviously had a really big story in Avengers Infinity War. Tony had a big story. But I think, you know, Thor had the biggest, arguably the biggest hero story of that film, aside from Thanos have being, you know, the protagonist in his own way. But Thor having such a huge story there and people loving it. And you see the way that, you know, his triumphant appearance in that film and then having another compelling uh, appearance in Avengers Endgame. You know, you could end up having a, a Thor film after Endgame that would be the first Thor solo film to possibly make over a billion dollars because of the increased interest in that character, not only because of Thor Ragnarok, but also Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So I think the, the future is very bright for Thor. And so and I also think most importantly, as you do, Paul, there's going to be a future for Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe beyond Avengers Endgame, unless we're just totally wrong. And then I guess we got you all excited for nothing. But hopefully you enjoyed the episode. That is where we are going to wrap up. We are pre-recording this episode, so there may be a Patreon credit scene for this one. There may not, but if there is a Patreon credit scene, I don't know what the topic is. We're going to add it later. <laughs> we're going to fix it in post uh, because we don't know exactly what news is going to break by the time we actually put this episode out. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to it. You can find plenty more exclusive content from our podcast at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And you can also, if you sign up, Get your own RSS link uh, so you can get all of your exclusive content and the main show all in one place. Uh, and even at our very uh, lowest tier at a dollar per month, you get those Patreon credit scenes. Plus, you get these epi episodes like this one 24 hours before the rest of the Internet. So check all of that out. Also find us at MarvelStudiosNews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.